Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. How's it going, Giants fans? My name is Alex, and my co-host here, Anthony Rivardo. And today we're unraveling a pretty special segment sequence that we're going to be doing every Friday, Fan Friday, with your with our guy Raheem. Uh, talk about the Giants, uh, kind of how surprising we've been this year, and just elevating uh, expectations and how we've kind of outplayed our competition. Just great coaching, discipline, execution all around, and how and how we hopefully. Uh, think that this can continue and, and you know Raheem's really excited Anthony's excited I'm excited and if anyone tells you that you're not allowed to enjoy this moment tell them to fuck off seriously because it's not it's not okay people are like you know wait until it all comes crashing now blah, blah blah we've been going through absolute hell for the last couple a couple of years and we deserve to enjoy the success that we're enjoying right now Raheem and you know how you doing so my man I'm excited to talk to you no, I'm great. I'm great. We definitely have to ride this high, man. Anybody that has anything negative to say about how the Giants fans are acting right now, it's simply hate, bro. Because they don't—they're not used to seeing us up like this. It's been so, so long, and even then, it's been mediocre. But right now, we look good. We're winning the games that we should be winning, and we're winning games that people think we shouldn't win. So it's a—it's a great combination, honestly. It is. And Anthony, when you're looking at this team right now. Um, do you think it's sustainable? You know, fourth quarter, come from behind wins. Daniel Jones, you know, doing a lot with his legs. Saquon Barkley, we're kind of running the ball through him. He has a little bit of a shoulder issue, but it doesn't seem like it's too much of a problem right now. Do you think that we can still continue to keep winning these games, coming from behind against good teams um, and pulling out these wins? You know, it's easy to say that that's not sustainable, but we've seen the Giants do this in the past. Of course, you think back to the Super Bowl runs, right? 2011-12 season, Eli Manning led the NFL in game-winning drives that year, right? And then the Giants went on to win the Super Bowl. So Daniel Jones is leading the NFL in game-winning drives right now. If he can keep doing this, you know, it's it's not out of the realm of possibilities. Like I said, we have seen it before. Is it completely sustainable? Maybe not. The Giants are probably going to need to start playing in front at some point this season. Playing from behind all the time really just is not the best strategy. The Giants are going to find themselves late behind in games, suffer an injury, and then they're done, which is exactly what happened against the Dallas Cowboys. So they they do need to start playing with the lead at some point. But right now it is sustainable simply due to the fact that we have a great coaching staff that's putting players in position to succeed. And we're playing clean, smart football. We're not turning the ball over at an extreme rate, which is why the Giants are winning these games. Basically, the Giants strategy, oldest trick in the book, just wait for the other guy to make a mistake. That's all the Giants are doing. Like this past week against the Baltimore Ravens, the longest uh, play from scrimmage on offense was 18 yards. The Giants didn't do anything special. They just played safe and did just enough to get in position to score and waited for Lamar Jackson to throw that interception or to fumble that ball. They were just waiting for the other team to make that mistake and then capitalizing on it, which again, oldest trick in the book, best way to win football games when you maybe just don't have that much talent on your team, but really when it what it comes down to is some excellent coaching leading the way for the New York Giants through six weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And Raheem, when you're looking at this offense, um, how exciting is it to see Saquon Barkley bouncing back like this, having just an unbelievable 2022 season? Looks like his rookie self. And it, at this point in the season, you know, looking at how impactful he's been, are you looking at, at him saying, you know, we got to keep him? Like right now, the offense is him. He's doing a lot for us. And how important is it that we retain him for the future? I feel like it's very important. You know, running the the whole franchise running back thing hasn't really been an actual thing for a while. But, you know, saying the guys like Derrick Henry and now it's looking like Saquon Barkley is like one of those running backs that you just have to keep. But 
him coming off an injury and now having the shoulder, it kind of is like, eh. and like hearing the trade rumors was kind of, it was kind of, it was weird at the moment, but then he started like actually producing and now he's looking like top two running back in the league right now. So, you know, I don't think, I don't see that happening. I feel like we should retain him. I also feel like we should retain Daniel Jones, but that's probably a whole nother conversation, but I know it has to feel good for Saquon, you know, shutting up all the naysayers and doubters and stuff. And he's just doing everything that we knew he could be doing and should be doing, especially with the last few years done with injuries. It's great to see. Yeah, absolutely. And we can have the Daniel Jones conversation as well, because it's, it's definitely an ongoing one. I think that it's going to continue to develop as the season goes on here. But Saquon, and it's interesting, right? Because we just saw Christian McCaffrey get traded to the 49ers. And yes. traditionally, you look at the 49ers and say they don't need an elite running back to have an elite running game. They've spent three consecutive third round picks on running backs. Uh, Trey Sermon. Um, they got Elijah Mitchell, I think, in the sixth round uh, last year. So, you know, you're looking at a lot of capital being invested at that position. But even though, even then, they still invested a huge amount of draft capital for McCaffrey now. And maybe a good team needs an elite running back or at least the flip the, the script is flipping a little bit and we're seeing that Saquon can be so impactful and the thing about Saquon right is not the not just about the stats his run blocking has improved tenfold this year like that was a huge weakness of his game now suddenly he is an unbelievable run uh you know pass blocker you know from that from that uh, shotgun kind of set so when you're looking at Saquon now he's adding value there but the value that really goes unnoticed is the attention that he draws why are the Giants doing so well on offense because they're running those play action, those bootlegs, those screen passes. Everybody's dialed in on Saquon and what he's going to be doing, that it draws in those safeties, it draws in those linebackers, and suddenly you have a lot more room to work with your guys like Darius Slayton or Wondell Robinson or Daniel Bellinger. Um, Definitely. And, you know, it's kind of crazy to see, right? And, you know, Anthony, when you're looking at Saquon, uh, what kind of value do you think he's brought that maybe he has it in the past? I think that pass blocking is definitely key. I think the pass blocking is key because that's somewhere that Saquon Barkley struggled a lot in the first few seasons of his career. To see the improvements that he's made this year is kind of astounding just to see how much better he is as a pass protector. Daniel Jones needs the extra protection from Saquon Barkley. It, it can't always be Daniel Bellinger, the rookie tight end, uh, chip blocking on the edge. But every now and then, you got to protect with the running back. you got to leave the running back in the backfield and block. And in the past, Saquon Barkley was a complete liability in that regard. He was actually a liability on the field sometimes. There would be plays where the Giants needed to max protect, and you knew that the pressure was getting home because Saquon Barkley just could not block the pass rusher coming. So – now that he's able to actually hold his own, put, put in some decent pass blocking snaps, it makes him a much more valuable player because he's no longer just a rusher, a receiver. He's also a protector. And I think that is huge, not only for Saquon Barkley's value, but also for Daniel Jones. It's helping him play better just to know that he has a running back who can protect him in the backfield. So very exciting stuff from Saquon Barkley there. It's been a great year from him so far. I expect it to continue. Hopefully, though, the Giants are able to get a little bit more out of the rest of the guys on offense, some of these receivers, so that they don't have to keep feeding Saquon Barkley. Again, he has this little shoulder injury. He did get 31 carries against the Chicago Bears just a couple weeks ago, and he's consistently getting about 25 touches per game. So I'm hoping that the Giants are able to scale back his production or his usage just a tad bit to maintain his health, keep him healthy for the rest of the year. But, I mean, it's it's been amazing from Saquon Barkley so far, and I'm hoping that he's able to keep this going and really finish the year as an MVP candidate. Yeah, that's facts. And, and Raheem, what, you know, what are your, th your thoughts about on the rookie so far? Kayvon, Evan Neal, you know, Bellinger, Wandale. The, even though the Wandale Robinson hasn't had huge impact, he did last week. 
Bellinger's been sick. Evan Neal's st- starting to throw, show some of that development. And Kayvon Thibodeau, impact player. You know, what are your thoughts on those guys? Yeah, I really like Evan Neal. Not going to lie. Like, in the beginning, he was looking like how Andrew Thomas was also looking in his uh, rookie season. But it's really starting to come together for him, for Kayvon, as the games keep going to get that confidence. And that's really all, what it all comes down to is the confidence. Like, we're winning games. You know, your fans are behind you. MetLife is rocking. Your teammates are behind you. Like, if you've seen, like, in that post-game interview, once he got the – after he got the thing was, like, after the Ravens game, they loved him. You know what I'm saying? I know it has to build confidence for him, and that's all it comes down to is the confidence. With Wandell, I'm just, like – I can't control my excitement because it's like, yo, this is what we wanted, like, out of Kadarius Tony. Like, Kadarius Tony has yet to score a touchdown. And I don't mean to, like, bring down Kadarius Tony nothing, but, like, seeing, like, somebody else scoring a touchdown that's not named Saquon Barkley is beautiful, you know? And then, like you said, back to – uh, I meant to say something about this, but I want to let you talk. The attention that he gets is, oh, my God, like, it opens up so much to the offense. Like, against uh, Green Bay, how we were able to get so many of those bootlegs off and just score off of that. It was beautiful. Like, it surprised me every time that they fell for and they bit. It was just all beautiful. But the rookies, I'm, I'm loving them. Yeah, me too. I think we're they're, like, setting this, the tone for the future. And obviously, those guys are going to get a lot more action. Wandale played in 23% of offensive snaps in Week 6. So, I expect that to rise maybe to 50% in Week 7 against um, – you know, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, speaking of the Jacksonville Jaguars, let's discuss them for a second because this is an opportunity for the Giants to extend their winning streak and extend their winning the record to six and one on the season. And Jacksonville's no pushover, right? They're they're a decent team. They win some, they lose some, but they're pretty competitive. Trevor Lawrence has taken a step forward this year. They have one of the best pass blocking offensive lines in football. The running game is pretty solid with Etienne and James Robinson, you know, both very capable running backs. They have a, a couple of good uh, receivers as well in Christian Kirk. Um, I know they traded uh, LaVisca Chenault, but they have a couple other guys that are pretty solid. And, you know, right now, defense is fine. They have Trayvon Walker, number one overall pick. He's definitely a monster. Uh, some pretty yeah. solid guys on that squad. You know, how do you think, Raheem, the Giants can attack Jacksonville and maybe come out on, on top in this one? I just feel like it has to be a combination of the run game and the air attack. More emphasis on the air attack than the running game because, like, like you, said, you don't want to overwork Saquon. And even if you can switch him out, you know, we still got Matt Breida, Gary Brightwell, but definitely going to want Saquon out there, honestly, even if you're, like, passing to him. But you don't want to, like, overwork him. So I feel like everything has to be, like, almost perfect. Not saying, like, Jacksonville is, like, somebody who had to, like, just really strategize for something like that. But you just don't want to be too one-dimensional because, like I said before we uh got on the air, like, they their interior, like, defense is insane. It's, it's looking great, honestly. So – you don't want to um, just be one-dimensional and then you're going backwards and then you'd be like third and long and you end up in those situations. And you know how the Giants, the Giants offense gets is three and out, three and out, three and out. And that's something you don't want to see. And then you're playing from behind again. That's facts. Anthony, you know, what are your thoughts on Jacksonville uh, stopping Trevor Lawrence? I think you just put pressure. I mean, I don't think that Oshane Zimenez or – Aziz Ojolari are going to be able to play this week, according to Dable. It was a little bit vague on that. He said it wasn't looking so good. But, you know, what are your what are your, your keys in, in terms of stopping Trevor Lawrence and kind of limiting this Jacksonville offense? 
Yeah, I mean, pressure, like you just mentioned, getting after the quarterback. Big game out of Leonard Williams, big game out of Dexter Lawrence, big game out of Kayvon Thibodeau. Those guys will set the tone. They will make things easier for the secondary. If the secondary is struggling, the best way to counteract that is with a good pass rush. And, you know, they can make the coverage men look a whole lot better. Pressuring Trevor Lawrence, he throws up a bad pass, and the coverage guy gets a pick. That's how that goes, man. And that's exactly how the secondary is going to benefit from the pass rush. So, that's the way, in my opinion, to beat Trevor Lawrence, beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, and come out on top in this game. Also, though, on the offensive side of the ball, just keep the ball clean. You know, you have to win the turnover battle. The Giants just have to keep playing that clean, conservative, winning football due to the talent that they have on their roster. And again, that just takes good coaching. Brian Dable, I do trust him to get the job done against Jacksonville. I think that they are a lesser opponent. I think this is a game that the New York Giants should absolutely win, but they're going to win it by playing safe, not putting the ball in harm's way and not making any stupid mistakes to dig themselves into their own grave. That's what they have to force Jacksonville to do, force Jacksonville to make those mistakes. And the way that they do that, I think is going to be through the pass rush. So let's hope to see a big game out of Kayvon Thibodeau. Absolutely. And Raheem, I'll ask you this before I wrap here. Um, what are your thoughts so far, your impressions on Brian Dable, you know, thoughts on Joe Shane and what they've done so far for this organization, changing the culture, make, getting the most out of guys we didn't expect. Um, in my opinion, I mean, I, I couldn't be any happier, but I'm sure you kind of, you know, share the same sentiment. Yeah. I was definitely going to say something about like the culture. Like it just feels different. Like, Every time somebody's like comparing like guys we had in the past after um Tom Coughlin, it was just like just down and everything. Everybody was just so negative when he spoke about the Giants, you know. But like Dable just always fight like his energy alone. Like if you seen when Justin Tucker mixed missed that kick last game, yo, he was fired up. Like and it just make you get fired up. And like I just feel like he's just that guy that just brings that you know that umph. You feel me? Like I just feel like he's just. He just does everything, like, and then him, and then you got Mike Kavka, and like I said, Joe Shane, like, I don't know, I just feel like everything is just different. It's like a whole different Giants team, which is another reason why I don't understand why people, like, still try to treat the Giants like they're the same Giants from a couple years ago. I mean, I can see if you go out based off our schedule and our games we play, because that's all that matters at the end of the day, but who cares? We're 5-1, like, end of the day, you know? Nah, I feel that. It's It's... Uh, it's night and day, right? It's night and day, the difference between old coaching staff, new coaches staff, the culture, different. It's entirely different. I mean, ranging from what the players are saying to the discipline to just seeing how hard they're playing in general. Like, why did why is Kenny Galladay, why was his role being diminished? Because he wasn't going 100%, right? Like, you could tell. Why is David Sills playing every day, every game? Because he's going 100% every play. He's going out there making blocks in the run game. Yes, he's not the best receiver in the world. But he's putting out maximum effort, and that's the standard the Giants are trying to set, the coaching staff is trying to set, that if you're not going to be here and get paid $16 million that Galladay is getting, is getting paid and not give 100%, you're not going to play, right? Like, you're just not going to play straight up. And I think that's the difference between winning and losing football is that sometimes the guys who aren't necessarily as good as, you know, others on the roster that are making a ton of money, they just they just play harder, and they want it more, and they put more energy and grit and heart into the team, and everybody benefits from that. Everybody benefits from giving 100%, from an individual giving 100%. Nobody benefits from someone giving 50 75%, um, and I think that's what we're seeing right now, um, the difference between winning and losing football, Anthony. I don't know if you share that same idea. 
I mean, of course I do. That That is the difference between winning and losing football. And I, I keep ranting and raving about the new coaching staff. I love the culture shift. I love the energy that they've brought. I think that, you know, the Giants have cycled in a bunch of head coaches since Tom Coughlin's reign ended. You know, when you think back to Ben McAdoo and what the culture was like back then. Well, they almost ran Ben McAdoo out of the freaking locker room. The, the, the players pretty much turned on him. They hated him by the end of his reign. Same thing with Joe Judge. The players hated him by the time he got fired. So, I think that I just don't see that happening, though, with Brian Dable. I think that the players just love Brian Dable. Brian Dable is getting a lot of love from the fans and the players alike, and he really does have all of the players just captivated. And I I think that the energy that he brings to that locker room as a coach is just amazing, and it's very special to watch this team play for him and play to win. And it's just been a lot of fun through six weeks. So I'm hoping that, you know, Brian Dable can continue this trend and keep the Giants playing at this high level. And I do believe that he will. Absolutely, my friends. But Raheem, I appreciate you coming on in our first episode of Fan Friday. It means a lot to us, my man. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, definitely going to be an exciting rest of the season. But, you know, I'll let you yes, say what's good. Yes, and, uh, you know, any any last thoughts? Uh, Not really. I feel like... We came together as a unit. We tackled this. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, it, look, this is – we've been doing this for a long time. I'm sure you know that. So we're always like – we. I was like, you know what? I feel like the fans don't get enough chance to to spread their opinions, and, you know, I feel like there's value in that. So I appreciate you being so willing to come on on short notice and, and really uh, share your opinions, and it was great. I really appreciate it. Thank yeah, you, man. Yeah, most definitely. I saw the tweet, and I, I had to. Sign me up, definitely. 100%, bro. We'll have to have you on in the future again. Appreciate it as always. All right, thank you. Awesome. All right, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Make sure to like and subscribe. I'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Giants episode.